Welcome to the next edition of P5 Protocols. If you are not yet on our mailing list, please email us at protocols at p5hv, as in victor.com, or go to p5protocols.com, and in the upper right corner, click on Contact Us, and add your name and email address to our database. You will then receive our newsletter and podcast every time each is posted. Last week, I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Juan Pablo Segura and Anich Sebastian, the two founders of Baby Scripts, a P5 Health Ventures portfolio company. Several years ago, these two men set out to change maternity care. I will let their words tell you why and how they got there. What I can tell you is that they are thorough and relentless in pursuing their dream of leading the transformation of maternity care to one that leverages technology to lower costs, increase accessibility, particularly for Medicaid patients, and create new revenue streams for the providers, the last part being a unique aspect of their business model. So many startups look at the legal and psychological barriers to getting large institutions and practice groups to change that they go to the consumer as their path. And that one has rarely produced solid long-term business value. These two men have built up the trust of major medical centers from George Washington University to Northwestern to University of Pennsylvania to UC San Francisco and other major centers, and for good reason. We at P5 see them as likely being the platform with all the important relationships and legal agreements that other startups and even more established companies want access to. In other words, they they have set themselves up to be a platform for the next generation of maternity care. And with that, here are the founders of Baby Scripts. So I am here today with the founders of Baby Scripts, which, full disclosure, uh, we are uh, investors in Baby Scripts, and we're investors because we're believers, uh, not only in uh, in the people themselves, but what they are doing with uh, maternity care. And with that, I want to welcome you, gentlemen. Thank you, David, for having us. Thank you, David. Uh, it's uh, excited to be here. Excited to uh, uh, be on the podcast with you. So. so, what I'd love to get through today is the, your backgrounds and the history of Baby Scripts, how you came to be, uh, and uh, how you see uh, maternity care evolving. So, let's love to start, uh, Juan Pablo. Let's we'll start with you. Sure. This is always a, a fun question for us to answer because it always comes back to the fact that two bachelors with uh, no children, um, with no background in healthcare, somehow decided to start a technology company that would transform how pregnancies are managed in the United States and abroad. So um, I, I don't know if I can connect all the pieces. Uh, I think it's more like a disruption where uh, things just somehow come together. <laughs> um, but just background wise, uh, traditionally, I'm an accountant and uh, East Asian studies uh, by training and uh, uh, actually met a niche working at Deloitte while we were finance consultants. And through uh, a couple of very personal experiences, both myself and Anish uh, were turned into healthcare technologists and enthusiasts. 
and that's how we ended up starting the company and, and why we went into prenatal care. But um, I'll let Anish uh, kind of compliment some of uh, the background that I've provided, but um, it's really exciting to come into the industry with kind of an outsider's perspective uh, and trying to think logically about the problems we're solving and then trying to apply logic uh, in the solutions that we're building. And I think that's given us a really refreshing view on pregnancy in general. Yeah, I know it, it is. It is a little bit of an interesting background, right? Um, we were both consultants. Uh, we worked for large financial companies, right? When the uh, the big crash is happening, most of the companies that I work for are, are either bankrupt now or have been eaten up by someone else. Um, but really, from my standpoint, I was always very much interested in data tracking, the quantified self movement, all of that. When that was going on, um, to this day, I, I run the QS meetups here in Washington D.C. Very passionate about data, data tracking, um, even biohacking that that whole realm. Um, so that that sort of spurred my interest into healthcare, health tech, and um, really started an exploration into the delivery of healthcare in the United States. And clearly there, there were a ton of issues. Um, and that's how we serendipitously, I would say, um, you know, uh, found uh, the, the maternity area um, and, and obviously ripe, ripe of opportunities there. So. Yeah. So, when, so when did you start the company? So we started the company in 2014. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of that was based. So when we first left our consulting jobs at Deloitte, we knew that healthcare data and the internet of things would transform healthcare. And so that was the initial thesis that we brought to the table and through a combination of both opportunity. Um, so when we looked at uh, different areas that you could apply technology due to transform, you know, you have heart disease, you have diabetes, you have COPD, um, you know, for, for, uh, and, and what we ended up choosing, right? Maternity. Um, we actually looked at each space and we realized that no one was addressing or working on pregnancy related issues and management. Um, so, one of the reasons why we ended up going into the space was because there were no competitors. And uh, as Peter Thiel likes to say, the best kind of business is a monopoly. And so we were hoping to really um, become a, a brand name in this space. But um, we also realized that pregnancy and, and, and the history of pregnancy really hasn't changed. The management of pregnancy hasn't changed over the last 30 to 40 years. And, you know, while the cost of care has tripled in this space, low birth weight, the incidence of low birth weight, preterm birth rates, um, they're not decreasing, they're increasing. And if you look at everything that happens in the pregnancy journey, there's uh, an accompanying technology that can be directly applied to make interventions better and faster. And so that's, you know, one of the things that we were most excited about in 2014 that, you know, pushed us to start baby scripts. And, and so one of the things that really attracted me when we first started talking were some, some of the anecdotes were what using a nudge through a phone, what using a scale at home and, and, uh, and cellular, right? So getting that information out, uh, as well as a uh, blood pressure cuff and your ability to remote manage patients and, and create this platform around, uh, everything from information for the patient scheduling, et cetera. So maybe you could describe what the company, what it started, how, and how it's evolved over the last year or two in particular, because it's evolved quite a bit, I know, in the last year or so. Oh, sure. So I'll take a stab and then you can, you can jump in. Um, so essentially when we first started, uh, again, we chose maternity for a variety of reasons. 
Um, but we created, um, well, actually, let me take a step further. So in analyzing digital health, right, the industry in general and where to start, we chose maternity. But one of the big things that we were seeing um, in a lot of other digital health companies that were not succeeding, they had gotten a lot of money, but the results were very questionable and in, 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 in benefits, uh, et cetera. Um, one of the things, the, the big realizations that we made was um, a lot of companies were trying to circumvent the patient-provider connection and relationship um, because it was a very difficult thing to directly impact and integrate into. Um, when you think about you know going through the different stages of selling a solution to a doctor or to a health system, um, very bureaucratic, long sales cycles, um, uh, tough personalities at times to deal with from, you know, biases against change, workflow improvement. Um, so for a variety of reasons, we saw that there was, you know, this, this core channel that just wasn't being leveraged, but at the same time, that was the, 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 the key um, when thinking about deploying technology in healthcare. Um, so when we first started, we were very focused um, on tapping into that channel between both patient and provider, spending time figuring it out, um, and really thinking about how technology could directly impact pregnancy. Um, and so you can probably fill the, the story about George Washington University Hospital and how we started with our first experience, and then I've gone into high risk, Anish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we, we looked at the, the pregnancy journey you know, mom gets pregnant sometime between, you know, gestational age, you know, they'll know it between gestational age four, typically by 12, they'll know. From that point on, you know, in traditional delivery of healthcare, uh, they have these routine appointments that take place at certain level of cadence, right? They get bits and bites of information throughout that process. And, you know, obstetric care today and midwifery care also is, is meant to capture certain spikes in risks as mom goes through that pregnancy, right? So when we sat down with uh, one of our initial partners, um, George Washington Medical Faculty Associates here, you know, we sat down with some of their best OBGYNs and said, you know, how would you rethink this, right? Um, you have a heavily engaged patient here, young, tech savvy, um, especially a first-time mom, deeply curious about how they can be engaged and empowered in the pregnancy. And I so, said, you know, we could really do a couple of things. Number one is just because we're not seeing them doesn't mean that we can't provide them with information and collect data from them, right? So that really started to frame our thinking, which is how can we on a daily, weekly basis uh, nudge, prod, um, really provide moms with necessary information that's pertinent to their gestational age, but also collect data from them, right? Um, so our mobile apps is the, does exactly that. You know, there's a tremendous amount of information there that's specific to their provider, as uh, Pablo was pointing out, everything from, you know, how do I get to the labor and delivery floor at the hospital, right? Something very specific to their journey to how much coffee can I drink today, right? Um, and then you add to that, uh, we leverage IoT devices, blood pressure cuff, scales, that type of thing, to collect data uh, very seamlessly from the mom's home, right? So we're collecting, uh, continuously providing information and collecting information. Um, and that, that was the, the underlying thesis, which is, you know, from start to finish up to, uh, you know, 12 weeks postpartum, can we connect them, connect the mom, continually empower them and collect this data, right? Um, and then, yeah, obviously we started with, um, what I consider a lower hanging fruit, which is low risk, uncomplicated cases. And then over the last uh, 12 to 14 months or so, we've expanded into 
both medium risk categories and uh, you now are aggressively going to high risk categories, right? Um, so that, that's been kind of our, our journey and our story. So I know we rambled on a little bit there, but really gives an idea of the product. So, so, who, so explain your business model and, and integrating the provider into your into the system and maybe even just a very quick uh, how doctors get paid, uh, both on the Medicaid side and maybe some numbers on births as well, but on the Medicaid and on the private pay. Sure. Um, so when we first built like our, our, our product suite with George Washington University Hospital um, and consulting a lot of the OBGYNs there, you know, we kept asking them, okay, if you're going to pay for something, um, you know, what does it have to do? Um, and I think one of the areas that has become very cliche in digital healthcare is this concept of patient engagement, uh, because obviously empowering the patient with information is incredibly important. But one of the core kind of gaps in in getting these these tools or that concept of patient engagement into patients' hands is at times there isn't a direct financial benefit to the provider or to the payer outside of some downstream soft benefit of patient education. Um, and so knowing that going in when we first started, you know, all the physicians said, okay, patient engagement is great, but that's not enough. You have to impact my bottom line. I have to make more money today, not tomorrow, for me to actually deploy this across my health system and onboard patients. Um, so when we started Baby Scripts, um, we were very conscious of return on investment and, and hard dollar ROI. Um, and so we looked into how pregnancies were paid for in the United States, and we found something that really surprised us. And actually, to this day, not many people know about, which is a majority of pregnancy care in the US is paid for through a professional fee or what's called a global fee, um, which is essentially a lump sum payment um, for the all the time spent during prenatal care, um, the time spent delivering the child and typically postpartum care. So it's one fee. Um, and so it's pretty close to what a lot of people have heard about, which is bundled payments. The only issue or difference is if, for example, in a bundled payment, everything is one payment, regardless of complication. In pregnancy, only the outpatient general OBGYN time and, and resource is is lumped together if there's a specialist that gets involved, like a maternal fetal medicine doctor, or if there's a C-section um, during the delivery, the doctors get paid more. Um, but in the routine part of managing pregnancy, there's this all-in uh, price. Um, and so when we realized that reimbursement was capped, it wasn't fee-for-service, literally everything transformed for us um, because we started looking at the devices, the app that we were delivering to patients, and we started asking ourselves, okay, what can this do to automate the obstetrical journey for the provider um, while also making care more convenient for the patient? And if you look at the patient, this is the perfect uh, patient population to think about a consumer-oriented experience, right? Young, motivated, working, um, you know, heavy consumers of new products and services, and, and obviously part of this whole like social media millennial uh, concept or framework. Um, 
And so, you know, we've really built baby scripts around automation. And so like for low risk pregnancies, for example, um, by supplementing the inpatient kind of, or the, the, the in-office care that typically might happen with a pregnant patient with remote monitoring, we actually reduced the number of visits necessary to manage a low risk pregnancy from 14 to around eight visits. So that's how we look at return on investment for uh, a low risk pregnancy with our low risk product. Um, for Medicaid patients, um, this is where we start getting into the weeds. Um, but um, so where commercial plans, a majority will pay this global fee or lump sum payment, most Medicaid plans actually pay fee for service still. So we the same concept doesn't really work very well where you're reducing visits. So we actually built a product that encourages patients to go see the doctor more often because they're not going in enough. So there's an underutilization of prenatal care with Medicaid patients um, where they're going in three times, where there's an overutilization for commercial paying patients where they're going in 14 times. Um, so we've really built everything to think about um, how, where do you, how do you push patients to get to the doctor when they actually need to go to the doctor? Um, and that has functioned really well with the different products that we've built um, where, you know, for example, freeing up one slot for a provider um, in, in a low risk pregnancy, um, all, all of a sudden, if you're eliminating, you know, 14 visits to eight, where you're giving a doctor six more visits or slots that they can use for another procedure, which directly impacts the reimbursement. Um, so long, long explanation around reimbursement in the pregnancy world. Um, uh, but you know, we've again, really looked at hard ROI instead of soft ROI. Would you add anything to that? No. Anish? Yeah. yeah. You're talking to a CPA. So, you know, I, I love talking about the numbers here, you know, so there you go. So. So now you're really starting to roll out and sign up some larger providers and obviously be efficient, not go after providers with 200 births, but larger. What are you seeing in these, in these larger group practices, um, adoption, et cetera? I know it's been, a, and maybe talk a little bit about the sales cycle um, and how long it's been and where you see it going. Yeah. I mean, this is the, uh, the, the, the war of attrition, right? As, as, uh, Something like to say. No, I mean, I think one of the most difficult things in commercialization of any digital health technology that I would say is is really getting a hold of the sales cycle, right? Um, it, for us, the sales cycle is anywhere from you know twelve to eighteen months, right? It can literally be that long, right? Uh, now, why is that, right? Um, because it's interesting because oftentimes we can get to a yes on a decision pretty quickly. That might be a matter of, you know, a few months, right? Or perhaps even a few weeks. Um, but that yes doesn't mean a, a yes, right? That just starts the whole process. Um, and most of these healthcare systems are set up with a whole bunch of frameworks where a bunch of people can say no and stop a deal. And only very few people can say yes and push a deal through, right? Um, a good example and something that, that that's near and dear to my heart is going through the uh, IT risk process, right? Um, and I'll just give an example. One of our customers um, mandated that um, we have to go through uh, a penetration test and have successful results um, just to go through the IT risk process, right? Um, now, most people would step back and say, is that truly, really necessary? What is the actual risk you're trying to mitigate through that process? But hey, you know, we had to go through that process. There was an additional X amount of cost to spend some time on it, on and on and on, right? Um, that's just one example. Um, whether it's 
compliance-related stuff, risk review, legal, contracting. I know, Pablo, you, you probably have tons of thoughts on the contracting process. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it, we also tend to be not the number one priority because we're going in at the departmental level, right? Um, so, you know, the, the C-suite is working on some very broad telemedicine platform that's corporate-wide and all of their system-wide uh, providers can use it. We're going in with a very focused and a very value-added uh, solution, um, really uh, aimed at the maternal health uh, area, right? So, so because of that, the uh, the 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 sales cycle tends to be very complicated. Um, the power base within the organization it tends to be very uh, multifactorial. Um, but what's interesting is once you do have the contract in hand. That's where the fun really begins, because then you have to implement. Uh, and implementation is also something very, very challenging, um, partly driven because of technical silos with the data that exists today in healthcare, right? Each one of these health systems have um, more than likely a non-cloud-based electronic medical record um, that is you know, siloed and the data stays there forever, right? Uh, and stripping the data out of that and integrating into that workflow is... I mean, it's like it'll take an act of God for, you know, for, for them to open up. Secondarily, in addition to the technical workflow, there's also the non-technical workflow at the practice level. Most of these practices are not completely oriented to digital tools, how to use it, how to deploy it. Um, so as you can see, you know, uh, focusing on a tool that is uh, fundamentally requires both the provider and the patient uh, on both sides requires a lot of work on the back end to facilitate that. Um, but we also would say that that's 100% the right approach. Uh, I think ultimately, if we're going to make make a dent and move the numbers on a lot of stuff that Pablo had pointed out, um, we can't ignore the provider-patient channel, right? Um, so while that it comes with a whole slew of challenges, um, we think that's the right approach. And in the long term, um, obviously, once we go through all these challenges, it's going to bear all of the results that we want, right? Um, I, I don't know. I'm sure you have stuff to add to that. Well, I, I mean, I would say so. So my view of things as as an investor and following it closely is that it those are hard relationships to get, and you've been building a core competency not only in in finding the right ones, but in closing and executing. And that once you have that, uh, maybe talk about how you see things evolving. Because so so you know, which is how will um, other companies that don't want to wait 18 months or two years and build a core competency in closing contracts, how will they get there um, and do that? And then I'm actually going to, after answering that, I'm going to want to take you back to the path of a handful of patient types. And we'll go back to that after. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the good thing is uh, we've already done a lot of the hard work. <laughs> so when you look at the current patient, uh, base that we have under management, you know, we have access to about 90,000 births within the uh, 15 health systems that have deployed baby scripts. Um, so while there's a massive uh, lead time to being to getting up and running, um, the fact that we're going after these bigger health systems that control large chunks of market share, um, allow us to obviously get um, to, 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 to control a pretty large kind of patient base um, when it comes to deploying these tools and, and really um, thinking about the future of care and, and, and how all of this comes together. Um, so it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. 
Um, so it's kind of the like chicken or the egg, but once you're, once you're, you've gone through the three years worth of BD, <laughs> um, it, it definitely puts us in a pretty unique position. Uh, and then, uh, I think for companies or partners that are interested in leveraging this, ch- this trusted channel that we've built, um, you know, very soon baby scripts will have an app store, uh, you know, uh, at, at some point, uh, where, you know, a partner program where, you know, you can, you can obviously partner with a company like ours or others that have done a lot of the work, um, to really think about, uh, additional services and tools for these kinds of patients that are heavy utilizers from a, from a consumer perspective of whatever health system or plan. Um, and, uh, so that, that that's what gets us excited. Um, after going through all the hard work, but, um, the good thing is we're focusing on ways of making it easier for us to, you know, get going and and get started, which is all part of the growth of our company. Yeah. I mean, I'll just add one thing to that. This concept of a channel and a marketplace is it's, it's not, it's actually not very abstract. It's something that has some very practical implications. I'll just give you an example. So one of the things that, that sometimes comes up is, you know, obviously if you have, uh, a pregnancy that requires a surgery, a C-section, right? Um, there's a whole pre and post-op and wound healing that's associated with it, right? Now, could we do that? Of course we could. Is that our immediate plan? Is that our immediate focus? No, right? Um, but there are a lot of companies out there that do great job of like wound healing through digital health, right? Taking pictures, whatever it might be, right? Um, so we think that there's a great channel there that they can leverage. Um, and because we already have uh, our foot in the door with these large health systems, and we've developed that 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 platform. Uh, there could be a lot of benefit there. Um, I mean, just recently, a couple of states uh, or health systems in the Midwest came to us said, "Hey, we have a major opioid crisis, right? Um, specifically for pregnancy, uh, you have it's 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 the risk just goes, and by the way, through the roof, and by the way, the cost because that is." That is a that is a a, a thirty two or t- a twenty six week delivery, right? That means the baby's in the NICU for four months, and I mean, obviously, just the outside of the 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 quote unquote million dollar baby that that's you know that's going to be the case there. You also have to look at the human toll, yeah, associated with it. So, um, it, you know, could digital health tools make an impact on? you know, substance abuse, uh, potentially. Um, but we don't have the, the, the clinical, clinical specialization or expertise to do that. Right. So again, that's where the marketplace channel idea really comes in. And then of course, whether it's nutrition management or mental health, there's a bunch of stuff you can do there. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think that idea is, is very practical and, and, and we're seeing more and more of that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would argue things like, um, there's a slew of non-invasive glucose monitoring patches coming out that could, replace a scale right now scale is the best indicator i guess you have right now for gestational diabetes if i if i understand correctly oh so you could just do just blood sugars uh prick yourself four times you a prick, day. yeah yeah but that's also that's also you know i you know you, you and i were talking earlier about fasting whatever and i measure my ketones and and just pricking my finger for ketone, like it's just people don't do it. I so mean, the non-compliance is terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and, throwing and the, the patch on for a week yeah. around the time you would get yeah. your just your your uh, your test, your diabetes test. And by um, the way, unlike type two management, gestational management of uh, a gestational diabetes requires a much more higher frequency, higher resolution look because it's a week to week management of the mom and the baby, right? 
type two, you can look at A1Cs, for example, and not just sugars, and maybe you're okay, right? So it's an interesting kind of dynamic. So anyway, there's a lot there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the marketable concept is real. Yeah. I have to say, for those not in the room, if you really understood the teamwork between these two, <laughs> one Pablo is just holding the mic for our niche. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, founder service right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was it was well done. Um, and and I, you know, I but I see that if someone wants to bring their patch or someone wants to bring another tool, and and you become a clearinghouse effectively, you're going to wind up having to approve before you let it onto your system. It won't quite be the Wild West of an Apple store or Android store. Sure, sure. I mean, we would only, I mean, there's just so much. When you, when you think of a lot of what we're doing right now, it's not the, the technology that that has to be created to, to be able to transform healthcare. It's all, it has existed for like 10 years, right? The question is, how do you educate the market so that people both understand the benefits to workflow, outcomes, you know, user engagement, et cetera, um, to obviously the, 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 the cost of care. And so like right now we don't, we're not, no one's debating whether, you know, this, the, this will change healthcare or the face of healthcare. It's how does it get implemented? And so, you know, for us, we we get a lot of requests for even simple things like pediatric transitions of care. We're engaging a mom three or four times a week through baby scripts. And then we just stop because we don't do anything after that. You know, we have clients asking us, okay, can we do a pediatric channel or a pediatric experience? And so, yeah, I mean, I think at, at some point we will be a clearinghouse, which, um, you know, you as an investor, David should get really excited because, you know, that will make the value of our company, uh, you know, quite, quite nice. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think there'll also just be a lot of, um, you know, we're, we're only going to deploy something that has a clinical impact. Like we would never just have an extra service out there because it's an extra service, which I think is important. And, and so just give me maybe two or three paths, right? The maybe three, one is going to be really fast, which is, Typical healthy mother, sure. Uh, especially the first time moms. I've having three kids. I remember how often she was always running to the doctor, and how that looks different. And then maybe a gestational diabetes and a hypertensive. Yeah, so I'll take low risk, and then if you want to do uh, gestational diabetes or just diabetes and pregnancy and hypertension, that probably makes sense. Anish. Um, so with low risk, what ends up happening, and I think Anish mentioned it, um, kind of high level. Uh, for a patient that you know is considered like basically just normal risk pregnancy, um, what ends up what we end up doing is a patient will get onboarded at, right at the beginning of the pregnancy, so around week eight, um, which is typically when the pregnancy is confirmed. Um, so a patient will get onboarded onto our app, and through the onboarding process, we actually ship the patient a kit we call mommy kits, um, where there's a blood pressure cuff inside and sometimes a weight. Scale depending on what a provider wants to measure and how they want to work with us. Um, and so the the concept behind baby scripts is, you know, if you look at the reason why prenatal care as a category initially was created to manage blood pressure, blood pressure related illnesses are a majority of, of the prenatal like maternal death indicators uh, when you think of like just this, the experience and the risks in prenatal care. Um, and so a lot of what, a lot of how, you know, blood pressure illnesses and other complications are detected in the office. So what we're doing through this initial experience for low risk patients is we actually ship 
the kit, we use the app, and we collect data on a weekly basis. So the blood pressure cuff is being used by the patient. And Baby Scripts is looking for abnormal data points that lie outside of a threshold um, that the doctor uh, determines. And so if anything is wrong throughout the pregnancy, we'll actually... Uh, alert the physician in real time that there's an issue. Um, elevated blood pressure is a great example. Uh, and so really the, the the goal here with our, our low-risk experience is capture about 30 times the amount of data that's typically captured in the office through our product. So get more so get more data, higher data resolution from the patient, so more opportunities to detect problems. But on the on the operational side, make their care more convenient, um, which means uh, you know allow them to not have to go in as often. And so a patient on our product for a low risk pregnancy will typically, instead of going in 14 times, will go eight times um, while obviously being compliant with the program and, and capturing all of this data. Um, so that, that's like the, the typical low normal risk pregnancy journey. And, and again, you know, a lot of our patients love this because, you know, they're working moms, you know, having to leave work, pay for parking, uh, drive to the doctor's office, wait in the waiting room, and then get seen for five minutes where a doctor just stares at them and says, are you good? Blood pressure's great. Weight gain's fine. Thanks for coming in. It's just a lot of work, right? So that's that's the initial goal of that experience. Yeah, so that that's obviously the, the, the lower risk pathway. Um, outside of that, you know, from a clinical standpoint, you can expose, a, you see a couple of things. You see other clinical conditions that come into play, uh, obesity, diabetes, hypertension is one. Um, I'll use diabetes as an example because that's come up a couple of times. Um, you know, if, if uh, sometime between weeks 24 and 28, um, if, if a patient is not already diabetic, they get put through a screening test and then they could become gestationally diabetic, at which point if that does happen, um, they're now at a higher risk for a bunch of things, um, including uh, risk for C-section and yeah, complications in delivery and that type of thing, right? So um, the team now has to manage that patient very differently. They have to look at blood sugars on a weekly basis, daily basis, if they're medication, um, adjust the medication as necessary. Um, if, if things are not under control, a specialist, a maternal fetal medicine uh, doctor might get involved. Um, sometimes you even see endocrinology coming in, getting involved. Um, so it's much more sort of a collaborative model of care that's, that's, that, that's taking place there. Um, so our products around that is less about, um, you know, making, uh, allowing for patients to come in less often. It's more, make, it's more about making the, management of that patient much more seamless and much more efficient in nature, right? Ultimately, we're allowing providers to intervene in a much more quicker manner. Um, so whether it's looking at compliance, whether it's looking at um, adherence to medication, where maybe we're looking at a bunch of factors there. The other thing I'll say is, um, and this is something we've actually learned, is in addition to clinical uh, risk and clinical profiles, um, we also have to look at um, kind of socioeconomic and psychosocial factors that come into play. Uh, so Pablo had mentioned for patients that are um, in Medicaid, for example, they typically come come in anywhere between four to six times during the entire pregnancy. So there's this, unlike the private pay patient population where there's, uh, you know, sometimes an overutilization of care, here clearly they're not getting enough care, right? So in those type of situations, um, it, it's it's far more important to have the care team surrounding the patient, 
Um, they might not have the capacity or the ability to come into the office as often as we'd like to see them or the providers might want to see them. And then you see a, a compounded case. Someone could be a hypertensive, a diabetic, and could be uh, at socioeconomic risk, right? So that's where some of the highest risk is. Um, it gets compounded. And that's when you truly have to have like a full-fledged view of the patient uh, to manage them and hopefully intervene as quickly as possible as you start seeing risk flares, right? So we're continually developing these profiles of patients and trying to allow for the product to adjust. Um, and not to kind of like keep talking, but we call this precision prenatal care. Um, at our finest hour, we fully implemented this concept of precision prenatal care, which is you know, creating enough profiles where each pregnancy is in itself unique, right? Um, that's the North Star for us. That's where we want to go to. It'll take time, but we think that's ultimately what's best. So. And just one of the last things as we as we get near and and end, and we'll have you know, we talk all the time, so we'll have plenty more conversations. And happy to have you back on uh, when it when it next makes sense. But talk about some of the par other partners that are working with you. That I mean, you have a pretty impressive group. Uh, both of health systems and uh, and partners uh, in development. Yeah, so um, essentially the the way that we've built every additional experience uh, on our programs right now, we have six different products. Um, our first is our lowest product, which was built with George Washington University Hospital. Uh, our Medicaid experience, which we built with Aurora Healthcare, which is the largest healthcare system in Wisconsin, um, who actually invested in our company in our latest round of financing. Um, we built our postpartum depression screening tool with Florida Hospital in Orlando. Um, well, that's actually much more than just postpartum depression. There's there's a whole postpartum and inpatient experience that 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 we're continuing to build upon with them. Um, we built you know a payer uh, related uh, experience with the Cone Health Health Plan. Um, so you know we've we've really thought very uh, critically about how these things are both built and deployed. And you know we are the technologists. We're not the clinicians. And so we really look at our clinician partners um, and, and we, we lean on them for a lot of assistance and, and direction when we think about our risk-specific model for pregnancy. Um, and yeah, we, we work with a ton of health systems all over the country, um, a lot on the East Coast, um, you know, a lot in the, the Midwest. So like Northwestern, I mentioned Aurora on the East Coast, uh, MedStar, George Washington. I'm starting to do a lot of work in Pennsylvania, which is really exciting, in North Carolina with Carolina's Healthcare, Florida Hospital in Orlando. Um, so we have, you know, great health system customers and partners. Um, and as we've grown, yeah, we have other partners like the March of Dimes. We have an exclusive partnership with them for content, um, and we've actually, you know, published some research um, with them and 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 at their prematurity conference, for example. Uh, you know, we've uh, published a lot at the ACOG level. Um, so, you know, we've we've looked at clinical validation is incredibly important for our vision of how prenatal care needs to look like, um, and we even have groups like Startup Health, um, which is a, an early stage accelerator um, uh, based in New York City that, you know, has sponsored us and has helped us over the last three years. Um, and you, uh, well, also like General Electric, they're in GE Ventures as an investor in our company. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot of groups. Oh, well, yeah, P5 is, <laughs> is, a, is in a league of its own. So, That's a great plug. Uh, you know, there we go, you know. Um, uh, but, but no, so, you know, we, we think that we can't do everything ourselves and we need help. And so that's where partnerships have been incredibly helpful. 
Great. Well, I appreciate both of you taking the time. I, as I said, I will have a little bit of an intro and introduce you you both a little more and uh, and and frame the conversation a little more. But this was this was great because you 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 too. There's a lot of uh, really great investors and people around you, and we all have tremendous faith uh, that as as you execute, it's not that you will execute like a year ago. You guys have been consistently executing since then. So thank you all for your time. Thank you, David. This was a lot of fun. Had a blast. Thanks. As you just heard, Juan Pablo and Anish know their business and the industry. They continue to nail down an increasing number of providers as customers and will soon have several hundred thousand births per year covered, a number that will only go up at a rapid pace. And that is just in the United States. As the leaders at Startup Health, an accelerator that Baby Scripts joined a few years back and who ultimately led them to us via Sean Doolin, who used to work there, I quote, no one has ever used our resources more than Juan Pablo and Anish, unquote. Considering Startup Health has over 200 companies in their portfolio, that is a big compliment. I could continue to wax poetic about Juan Pablo and Anish, but for now, I want to say thank you for joining P5 Protocols. And ask that if you are not yet subscribed, please email us at protocols at p5hv.com or go to our website at www.p5protocols.com and click on contact us in the upper right corner and add your name and email to our database. And with that, once again, thank you for joining us and have a great weekend.